my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM. It's our drive time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is a show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. My name is Helen Gray, lay pastoral worker at Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful Adelaide Hills, and it's really wonderful to be able to share with you. This week and next, we're taking as our theme, 10 Big Questions About Spiritual Revival, and today we ask, how does Christ illustrate carnal Christianity? And our co-host this week, and I'm delighted this week and next week, is a dear friend of mine, is Lindy Sperring. Lindy is a prayer ministries leader for the Seventh Adventist Church here in South Australia, and she's also an associate speaker um, for Spirit Baptism Ministries. Very, very important. So, Lindy, welcome. Hello, Helen, and thank you very much. You have many hats. Yes, yes, I do have many hats, and I, I love all of them, and I enjoy all of them. I'm involved in prayer ministry and women's ministry, uh, resource center and hospital chaplaincy. So God has really blessed to uh, enable me to have all these different hats and roles. Well, thank you, Lindy. I know that we need to keep Lindy in prayer for all the hats she wears, but she does an amazing job. And thank you for that. Um, we just let's have a little chat here about some things that's happening in the world, Lindy. Yes. And yes. there's something that's very topical at the moment. It was in yesterday's advertiser and again today. It's been on the news and it's about a euthanasia bill. And it's this article is written by Jim Birch and he's the chairman of Calvary Healthcare. I was quite impressed when I read it. And the question was uh, what the heading was, euthanasia bill should provide choice. So he says here, support for voluntary assisted dying, which is VAD, is strong. Ask most people if they should have control of their lives and deaths, and they will say, of course we should. But we tend not to question too deeply the unintended consequences that legalizing medical assisted suicide will have on vulnerable people, especially for people who suffer from pain, physical, ex- existential spiritual and psychosocial, and the many other forms of deep hurt and despair it can take. It is very hard for family to watch the pain that someone goes through. But he was saying here at Calvary Healthcare, we know suffering because we see it in our services every day. We address pain and suffering in whatever form it takes. The next statement I thought was worth really listening to. He said, our approach to care for people who are dying in holistic palliative and end-of-life care centered on the needs and desires of the individual. This care helps people negotiate their dying and often gives them more time to live and critically to live with purpose. And he said this difference this makes to a person their loved ones can be profound. Dying is not futile. Dying person is often able to do something that needs to be done, achieve reconciliation with others and themselves, discover new and unexpected purposes and die with a sense of hope and Peace. Yes. What an interesting article. He goes on a bit further, but I, I would recommend to anybody to have, have a, a look at this article. He said, but, but better care of dying is what we need to do. And he said, um, the person has an answer, not abandonment, 
It's not abandonment. That's why Calvary cannot and will not participate in VAD. Very interesting. What do you think about that? It's a huge topic, Helen, and I've been involved as a chaplain in aged care. So I have sat at the bedside of of a dying person and I noted that when somebody is in pain, there is an increase in morphine issued to that person and through that palliative process they withdraw perhaps the drugs that have been keeping at bay the symptoms related to whatever the person's suffering from and then they up the morphine and, and gradually in time what normally happens towards that end stage that the organs slowly shut down and the person passes away peacefully. And so in a sense... I suppose there has been some assistance during that dying process, but it's it's done in a, a more holistic, a more caring, a more less clinical way from my observations working in aged care and also doing my training at the Austin and Heidelberg Repat Hospitals. I noted today, Helen, that the bill passed through the Upper House in South Australia and we know it has passed through other uh, in other states, but I do have some very big concerns about the implications of that bill to people's choices and to whether it could be used in inappropriate ways to end people's lives. That's some of the concerns mm. that a lot of a lot of us have. It's interesting, Lindy, that um, we don't look far into the future, do we? With these things, really. No. I mean, I'm, I remember last week listening to a, a, a lady on the radio and she was talking about the sperm bank. Yes. And she, she is a product of that sperm bank. And when she went, she's, she's writing a book at the moment, and when she went to find out her biological father, she found out that most places are not even keeping a record anymore. Some of them, um, they've, men have um, donated 300 sperm and even one man 500. And we didn't see down the track, but a lot of people jumped up and down on that one. And now they have a problem because of genetic attractivity. And so two people can be attracted, fall in love, maybe even go and get married, and then find out their brother and sister. Then there's a problem with incest. It might get to the stage they have to go and get a DNA test before they fall in love. I don't know. So there are things that could happen on this one. Correct me if I'm wrong, that down the track could cause abuse of all this. Look, I think that's true, and I know that the government will do everything in their power to ensure that there are strict regulations in place. However, you know, as I think about what the Word of God says, it says, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not kill, is one mm. of the commandments. And it's, it's for our well-being, and it's for uh, a society that can care for each other. Our doctors are trained with that Hippocratic Oath to ensure that people, people's lives are valued and that everything possible is done to enable them to live, not everything possible to enable them to die. And so for me personally, I would be wanting everything done possible. I have a mother who's 85. She's recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and mixed dementia. And so, you know, I want to see everything done possible to prolong my mother's life and quality of life as well. And while I recognize there are some people in terrible suffering and I also recognize that there is a lot the medical profession can do to support that person during that time. And so it does raise some issues, Helen, that I'm sure people Mm. will be talking about for a long time. I think so. One of the things that I hear people say, but euthanasia helped people to die with dignity. 
What would be your answer to that one? I think the palliative care and the care that I saw issued allowed people to die with dignity most definitely and that the nurse is caring for them. And so to to actually offer a, a product that causes the death of a person, yes, I have a concern about that. I do have a concern that that may lead to all sorts of times where people may take advantage of this of this new bill and that people who really don't want to die uh, are given something to hasten their demise. So, again, it's, it's a difficult one. It is very difficult in my mind. Mm, I don't think I'd like to be the person that actually does cause the death of someone. I think I'd find that very hard. I remember when my sister died, um, she walked outside a caravan, dropped dead had a massive aneurysm, but they put her on life support. And two weeks later, my mother had to turn off the life support. And she actually went through a lot of guilt thinking she had killed my sister. Yes, and I think that this happens to lots of families where a person is on life support. And as we look back over the centuries, there were there was times where there was no life support. There were times where we didn't have the equipment and the knowledge and the medical Uh, ability to keep somebody alive and so yes does this raise all sorts of issues absolutely but I like that Hippocratic Oath that as much as possible we try to help someone to live not to die thank you Lindy much appreciated saddened that it's gone through but yeah much appreciated in your comments we're going to have some music in a moment but just before we do um, Lindy is going to share with us uh, what she's been sharing through the week and it's uh, steps to personal revival but Lindy we've had some people wondering where do they get this book from that's a good question Helen so steps to personal revival is a, a life transforming book it's about being filled with the whole Holy Spirit, and it was written by Helmut Horbel, who is a German minister, and he was very much impacted by Pastor Dennis Smith, who has written the 10 days and 40 day books on the Holy Spirit. So if you want a copy of this book, you just need to go to your search engine on your computer, type in steps-2-personal-revival.info, and if you scroll down that page, you will find that you can download the document. So you go to steps-2-personal-revival.info and scroll down the page. You'll be able to download Steps to Personal Revival. Thank you so much. And I can certainly um, add here that I've read this book. Um, I'm in the process of rereading it, and it is just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, the fact that you actually um, are an associate speaker for Spirit Baptism Ministries, that's where Dennis Smith comes in, doesn't it? That's right. Pastor Dennis Smith is an American minister who God led on an incredible journey in his walk with the Lord. And one of his first books was the 10 Days book. Prayers and Devotions to Experience the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then Pastor Smith has written about nine or eleven, I think, 40-day books where people can get together and go through these teachings. It's very good to go through the teachings more than once and be praying for others. And many, many lives have been transformed right across the world through the influence of Pastor Dennis Smith's books and Pastor Helmut Horbel. Mm. 
Mm, and we I praise think, God for them. Thanks, Lindy. I've, I've got most of his books, actually. I just thoroughly love them, and I give them away as well. Yes. We do have a book to give away by um, Pastor Dennis Smith, and that is The Spirit of Baptism. So if any of our listeners there would like to get a copy of that, it's free to you. Please um, request this book from us. It's called Spirit of Baptism by Dennis Smith. And the number to text is 04888808811. Also, you can use that same number if you've got any comments that you want to make or any questions on tonight's um, topic. Let me repeat the number. It's 04888808811. We will say that a little bit later in the program in case you've missed it um, and you do really want to have it. We're going to um, go off to an ad and then we're going to have some music, music by um, New Life Chorale called Come Holy Spirit. Take Faith FM on the go with the free Faith FM app, available for Apple and Android. Your mind 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM, Drive Time, big Q&A with Helen Gray. And today our co-host is Lindy Sparing. Lindy is the Prayer Ministry's leader in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia, as well as being an associate speaker for Spirit Baptism Ministries. And it's a delight to have you here, Lindy. Thank you, Helen. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Before we continue, though, because we're going to be talking from the Bible as well, let's have prayer before we go any further, shall we? Thank you, Helen. Okay. Loving Heavenly Father, Lord, what a delight to be here. We thank you for the ministry that you've called us to, but we especially thank you for every listener that hears our voice. May they hear your voice. Lord, may you meet their needs through the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. I pray, Father, that they will be tuned in, they will focus on you and focus on the life that you have promised, which is life more abundantly. When we have you in our life, we know that it's endless hope, but without you, it's a hopeless end. So we just want to say thank you, guide us and lead us, and may all that we say tonight bring honour and glory and praise to you and you alone. I pray in the loving name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This week and next week, we're actually talking on the theme, 10 Big Questions About Spiritual Revival. And today I'm going to ask Lindy, and she's going to take us through some of this, how does Christ illustrate carnal Christianity? It's a big question, Helen. It's a huge and one. Last night we talked a little bit about the parable of the ten virgins, which is a very big insight into what carnal Christianity is. But before we reflect on that again, I'd just like for us to read in Romans 8, 8 to 9, something that's very important. Romans 8, 8 to 9. It says, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, now, we talk about that word carnal. It also is talked of as flesh. This is what Paul uses either of those words. For those who are in the flesh, for those who are in the flesh, who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And this is very interesting. So here's Paul saying the carnal mind is enmity against God. And the person who is carnal or fleshly is actually in the church. They are a Christian. We talked about the natural man. He really has nothing much to do with God or the church. And then we're talking about two other types of man or person in the word carnal and spiritual. When uh, Lindy, before you go any further, there are some people out there may not know the word enmity. Enmity. What is enmity? Well, enmity is in conflict, or it's a, it's a hatred, or a pulling apart between between two things. And so, having enmity against God means that we um we are really not on His side. We mm-hmm. are. Chasing after ourselves We are heading down a different path So the carnal mind Is not subject to the law of God Nor can it be So then those who are in the flesh Cannot please God Now this could be quite disturbing Really when you think about it I wouldn't like to think That I was not pleasing to God 
Mm. You know, I belong to a church. I worship him every day. I, I testify during the week that I spend time with the Lord every day. I would be very sad to think that I was still operating in the flesh. But there are some people that do that. That's true. And they may not be aware, though. They may not be aware. And I think that's where we need to pray and ask God to reveal to us, Helen, Mm -hmm. where are we in this, in this story? Where are we on the path to our, our relationship with the Lord? Mm -hmm. So many people, Helen, were changed through the 10 days and 40 days books written by Pastor Dennis Smith. And that impacted Helmut Horbel to such an extent that he wrote this book, Steps to Personal Revival, which, as I said, has gone across the world in its thousands. And people have read the book not just once because he asks us to read it a few times so that it becomes clear in our minds. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let's go back to that parable of the ten virgins. Before we do that, Mindy, you were talking to me earlier about, was it John Wesley you mentioned? Yes. Yes. Would you like to just share a little bit about him? Well, there's a bit of a before and after for John Wesley, and it's probably a bit like the Apostle Peter, but John Wesley was raised in a home by his mother, Susanna, Mm -hmm. and she had many children, and he was raised in a family that had rules and regulations. And so for John Wesley and his brother Charles, it was about... methodology, methodology, sorry, methodology, about methods. And and that's where the word and the church name Methodist came Mm -hmm. from because they had all these methods and and things that they did, religious practices that they did so that they could be what they felt was acceptable to God. And so John and Charles Wesley really operated, particularly John, in this manner. And I think they were called the Holy Rollers at university when they were studying. And there were all sorts of names that came their way. And John even hopped on a ship and he went to South Africa. He was going to storm, take the world by storm, and he was going to convert all those African people. Mm -hmm. And he came back very, very discouraged. And he met with a group that at some point as he was meeting with this group, it became clear to him that he was lacking something. He didn't think he was. He thought he had it all together. He was lacking something. And it was when he understood that he needed the Holy Spirit that everything changed. So did he speak differently? Yeah, well, yes and no, like the disciples before Pentecost and after Pentecost. Mm. They sounded probably much the same. They probably used similar language. But the power in their words after Pentecost and the power in John Wesley's words after he was transformed not only brought about an amazing revival across England but really impacted the whole world. Wow. So that's a before and that's the after. But can that, that can resonate in all of our lives, can't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. You and I probably gave our hearts to the Lord many years ago, Helen. We decided to be baptized. We received a measure of the Holy Spirit, but we're like leaky vessels. We need, just like we need air, just like we need food every day, we need the Holy Spirit every day. So what you're telling me is that we need to ask for the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Did Jesus do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He was up early every morning, long before there could be interruptions to his time with the Lord, and he spent that time connected to the source of power. A great example for us. A great example Mm -hmm. for us. And you know what, Helen? 
I believe that we can still spend time with the Lord on a regular basis, and I know I did for many years, but it wasn't till I understood my need of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll come back and tell you a little story. But going back to the parable of the ten virgins, this story has really resonated with me and stuck with me. So there were ten virgins. Who told the story? Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. So here is Jesus illustrating carnal Christianity. Thank you. There were ten virgins. They all believed the Bible. They all had their lamps. They all went out to meet Jesus. They were looking forward to Jesus coming. And they all went to sleep. We can understand that. The disciples went to sleep during that crisis in the Garden of Gethsemane. They all heard the call and woke up, and they all prepared their lamps. So they prepared their lamps, and all the lamps were burning, but half of the virgins, half of this, the women in this parable or the church members in this parable noticed that their lamps were going out. What was lacking? What was lacking, there was too little. We're talking about degrees here, if you like, of the Holy Spirit. Yes, they had a measure of the Holy Spirit, but they hadn't maintained the oil in their lamps. They hadn't sought after the Holy Spirit each and every day, or they hadn't even recognized their need, Mm. that they needed the Holy Spirit. And so when the five came asking to be let in, this is a parable, of course, a story that Jesus used to illustrate carnal Christianity. He says, I do not know you. How sad. This parable hit me hard and I Mm. thought, Lord, I don't want you to say that to me. No, none of us want that. We don't want to hear that. And so what happens when we don't have that measure of the Holy Spirit, we are missing something very important, if you like, called the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And we know the fruits are found in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Let's just have a quick look at those fruits. And I think as we as Christians would all love to have these fruits, wouldn't we, Helen? Absolutely. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, God's Mm -hmm. love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't know about you, Helen. I want those fruits because Mm -hmm. as I travel through life and I remember kneeling beside the bed of a dying person in the aged care facility I worked in and this great love welled up for this person and words came out of my mouth. I mean, I only knew this person very vaguely, but words came out of my mouth and I knew it was Jesus or the Holy Spirit speaking through me to this person who was dying. Mm. I want to have the joy. I'm not talking about transient happiness that the world talks about. I'm talking about an inner deep joy that happens even when everything goes wrong. The peace, not to be disturbed or worrying. Long-suffering towards others and towards even myself. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to have those fruits of the Spirit, Helen, because they reflect Jesus. Yeah. Can I just make an observation here? Um, in, In the version I've got, it's, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, in our lives. Yes. I'm looking at this list and I'm saying fruits. Okay, if it's fruits, we, we want that fruit. We don't eat all the fruit at once. But here I believe because that, that's actually not a plural word 
it's it's like an orange with segments. Yes. You know, you eat all the segments, that's the orange. And and I'm looking at this saying we don't just need um, gentleness, we need all that fruit yes. in our life yes. at the same time. In every yeah. area of our yeah. life. And it's very interesting to go on in verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh the carnal, the flesh we talked about before, with its passions and desires. And in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Helen, I felt such a sense of peace and relief when I understood because I'd tried for many years to be a Christian in my own strength. Doesn't work. And I failed. Mm. And I failed. Mm. And so there's also the fruits are mentioned in Colossians 3.12. Mm-hmm. So carnal Christianity is illustrated in different ways, in, in different ways. It's illustrated when it, the Bible talks about flesh or carnal. Christ illustrated it in, in that parable about the foolish virgins. It's also illustrated when we talk about lukewarm. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the church in Revelation, Laodicea. They were lukewarm. And here was Jesus knocking at the doors of their heart because he wanted to come in. He mm. wanted to be the center of everything in their life. He wanted to take over their lives and live out through them. It's it's like being not born again and, and a form of godliness but not really being godly. Isn't that in Scripture a form of godliness but denying the power thereof? That's right. Yeah. Just answer one question for me, Wendy, if you don't – Wendy, Lindy, if you don't mind. And and that is I often hear that we have to daily crucify, crucify our sinful tendencies. Now, does that mean we have to go and whip ourselves or put nails in our arms? What what does that actually mean? I think – I believe it means that – this crucifying of the flesh means to deny ourselves. Paul says, you know, I, I do what I don't want to do and, and don't do what I do want to do. And, mm. and in some ways, we are always challenged by our human nature. We are born sinners in need of a savior. And yet here is God saying, you can't do this on your own. You can't mm. win this war or mm. this battle. Mm. I did it for you on the cross through Jesus. It was done on the cross for us. And the way we partake of that is asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit each and every day. Mm, I believe Paul also says, I die daily. And, you know, we he doesn't sort of go into the tomb and come up every day. But That's in actual right. essence, that is really what we need to do with our sins, isn't it? We Absolutely. need to give them to God and ask him to take them away, to kill them. Literally, take them out of us and fill us with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's right. And I think we're challenged sometimes with this problem. So one person might pray more intensely for God's help and decide to try harder. And and I spent a lot of time praying, God, help me with this, help me with that. When I suddenly started to realize with this, if I ask the Spirit to live in me, he transforms my heart and my desires, oh, but he also shows me how to rebuke the enemy who tries to catch us in all sorts of ways. How? Through Can God's word. Through God's word. Yes. 
I, I suffered with depression years ago and had thoughts of suicide and I'm sure there might be people listening who suffered with this and I have said to if a thought even comes near me I, I rebuke it in Jesus name because that's not what Jesus plan is oh. for me he has plans and purposes for my life the enemy wants to destroy us yes so there are other ways that we can reject this whole message but the right way is to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, which Amen. is the fruits of the Spirit are a result, not me trying to have joy and peace and mm-hmm. gentleness because I'm a fiery redhead and I get grumpy at times, but to ask the Holy Spirit to live in me, and that's what makes a difference. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That gives us hope, doesn't it? It does give us hope. Mm-hmm. It does give us hope. Mm. Okay, does the church today consist primarily of carnal Christians, do you think? Yesterday we talked about how belonging to the church, we're sometimes very disappointed because we look to people and their behaviours and we see behaviours that aren't what we imagine a Christian would be. Now, I don't think a Christian is a wussy person that someone should walk over the top of. In fact, if a Christian is walking in the Spirit, they will not be wussy. Jesus was not a wussy person. He knew Some people he may meant. not know what wussy means. <laughs> a weak, a weak, a weak yes. person. He wasn't yes. weak. He was strong in the Lord and in his faith. He knew the word of God. And so if we stand firm on the word of God, we will not be weak. We will be strong through what Christ did, through mm-hmm. his power. I was interested, um, Lindy, in that book, Steps to Personal Revival, that we you know, were using, I was interested in what A.W. Tozer said. Yes. He said, if the Holy Ghost were taken away from our church today, 95% of what we do would continue and no one would notice a difference. That's shocking. And then he goes on to say, if the Holy Ghost had withdrawn from the early church, then 95%, and this means almost everything, of what they were doing would have stopped and everyone would have noticed the difference. We certainly have turned that upside down. We have because we've got all these programs and outlines and focuses, plans, projections, whatever else you want to say. We have all of these things in place to run the church, the the mechanisms of running the church. And so sometimes we've lost sight of what we're really all about. And Mm. There's nothing wrong with all these programs, though, is there? Nothing wrong with those programs. Although I really think instead of us having meetings and deciding on what programs we we think we should run, we should have a lot of time in prayer asking God to reveal to us what programs we should run. Because if he's in it, it's going to succeed. Oh, amen. It's like in the morning when we, we often have our own agenda. Yes. But isn't it better to come to the Lord and say, okay, well, I've got my agenda, but Father, it may not be what you want. Show me your agenda and I guarantee you're going to have a most amazing day. Yes, that's right. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 17, for he, talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, dwells with you and will be in you. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. To think that Christ wants to live in us, weak, sinful selfish, going our own way, us. He wants to live in us because he loves us so much. What a privilege that is. Mm. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so if somebody tries to do it on their own strength, it's not going to happen, is it? Well, I know that I've tried and I think that other people try too. And I think that's why we sometimes see people in the church who aren't living out the sorts of behaviours or attitudes of Christ's love because they're trying to be a Christian in their own strength. Or perhaps they haven't realized they need to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, like the Bible says. You know, there's a, there's a few possible factors that lead to carnal Christianity. Ignorance. Sometimes we're just not even aware. I haven't heard a lot about the Holy Spirit before. I hadn't understood it. But I know that this message, this Holy Spirit message, God has raised it up and given it to his people to the Christian people to spread across the world because of the times that we're living in. He is saying to us, I'm calling you back to me. I'm showing you how you will survive what is coming upon the earth. I'm showing you how you can have strength to overcome and have victory over sin. And so it might be through ignorance. Sometimes we might have unbelief. I've talked to Christians who say, I don't have my assurance of salvation. I'm not sure I really believe. I have some doubts, or they may have a small faith. It might be because of wrong thinking. They can think they're filled with the Holy Spirit, but it may not be sufficient. There may not be a sufficient measure. Or they're so busy and overburdened that they don't have time to maintain a relationship. We see divorce happening right across Australia, Helen, because relationships are not nurtured and cared for everybody's so busy doing things and so or it might be because of some hidden sins and that's very sad to think that people are bound by the enemy through hidden sins or others might just be acting according to their feelings and we can't just act by our feelings we have to live by faith that is so, so true. I hope each one is taking them on board. Yes. If you're missing out on some of the things that w- that uh, Lindy has been sharing, you can actually get this book, unfortunately not from us. Lindy, just share with us how they can get the book Steps to Personal Revival. You can go online to Helmut Horbel's website. The website is steps-to-personal-revival and you will be able to get dot info at the end and you go down the page and you will find you can download steps to personal revival in a number of languages fantastic and as i mentioned before also that if you're interested in our free offer spirit of baptism by dennis smith please text on zero four triple eight eight oh eight eleven that was zero four triple eight 80811. And also, if you have any questions or comments that you want to make, please text them on that same number. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, if we can help you in any way, please do that as well. Now, just uh, before we go any further, let's have a little bit more music. And um, I think we'll have a short ad and then some music. The music we're going to hear after this is by Kathleen Carnelli. And it's Micah 6 8. Ah, what was that song called? It's easy to find out. Download the free Faith FM app for your smartphone or tablet to see our full daily schedule of programs and music. For he has shown thee. 
listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Helen Gray. And today our co-host is Lindy Sperring. Lindy is a prayer ministry's leader in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia, as well as being an associate speaker for Spirit Baptism Ministries. 
Lindy has a lot of different hats on her. And this week we are actually looking, and next week, we're looking at our theme, 10 Big Questions About Spiritual Revival. And today we have asked Lindy, how does Christ illustrate carnal Christianity? And Lindy, I appreciate what you've been sharing with, with us. And perhaps you'd like to give us some concluding questions and prayer. I suppose one of the questions that we can all ask ourselves is, if we died today, Helen, if today was our last day, perhaps we had a heart attack or we had an accident, do we have the assurance of salvation, of eternal life with Jesus Christ? And those people who are listening, do you have the assurance of salvation with Jesus? That's a pretty scary thought, isn't it? Well, we need to know today, as it says in Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. Oh. And, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. It also and says that now is the day of salvation, doesn't it? Present. Today, mm. right now. Mm. And if there are people listening who are doubting and don't have that assurance of salvation, all they need to do is to ask the Lord to give them a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. May I just tell a very quick story? Yes, some years means. ago I was cooking. I have a, I call it a cooking frenzy. So I spend all day on a Sunday cooking up two or three batches of everything. And while I was doing that, the lounge area was very, very bright all of a sudden, brighter than the day would account for. And I felt drawn to that lounge area. And I'd been asking, Lord, please give me more of the Spirit. May I have more of your Spirit? Because I knew I needed more of God's Spirit. And I went into that room and I just fell on my knees. It was like the place was full of something powerful, something overwhelming. I fell on my knees and I just wept before the Lord and I, I sensed my unworthiness. I sensed his worthiness and my unworthiness. And I felt that the Lord had heard my prayer and that I had a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. Wow. But, Helen, I know I've got to keep asking for that. Yes. I want to have that assurance of salvation. I cannot be a Christian in my own strength. I don't want to be a goat, a foolish virgin. I don't want to be lost because Jesus has done so much for me and so much for all of us, and I want to have that certainty. And so my my advice, if you like, or my encouragement to all of us is that ask, seek, Knock. Ten times it's in Luke. Ask, seek, knock. How much more will our Heavenly Father give to us the Holy Spirit than a parent might give a gift to a child? He longs to give us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He longs for us to be filled with His Spirit. And you know, Helen, when we're filled with His Spirit, Things will happen that are supernatural and amazing. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. was woken up in the middle of the night to pray for our son who was training at, at university in New South Wales. And it was only the next day on the Sunday that I heard that he had was going swimming and that uh, he was in danger of drowning and one of the other students was able to rescue him. And I believe God woke me up, the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, your son is at risk, pray for him. And I've got so many stories like that, Helen, where God has touched me and impressed upon me something because it's not me. It's Mm -hmm. not me. I can take no glory, no credit. None of us can. It's all about Jesus and Christ living in us, the hope of glory. 
Oh, Lindy, I resonate with what you're saying. I think you and I have shared some of these experiences and I know that um, I call them, for me, I call them walk-on-water moments, wow moments. Yes. And it's yes. just amazing how many wow moments actually come up. Just before we have prayer, though, Lindy, we've got a few moments. I'd just like to share this uh, little reading, and it's actually from Max Licato, but it kind of fits in with that text you were talking about in Galatians. It says, It's quiet, it's early, and my drink is hot. The sky is still black, and the world is still asleep. The day is coming. In a few moments, the day will arrive. I will roar down the track with the rising of the sun. The stillness of the dawn will be exchanged for the noise of the day. The calm of solitude will be replaced by <clears throat> the pounding pace of the human race. The refuge of the, the early morning will be invaded by decisions to be made, deadlines to be met. So for the next 12 hours, I will be exposed to the day's demands. It's now that I must make a choice. Because of Calvary, I'm free to choose. And so I choose. I choose love. No occasion justifies hatred. No injustice warrants bitterness. I choose love. Today I will love God and what God loves. I choose joy. I will invite my God to, <clears throat> to be the God of circumstance. I will refuse the temptation to be cynical, the tool of the lazy thinker. I refuse to see people as anything less than human beings created by God. I choose peace. I will live forgiven. I will forgive so that I may live. I choose patience. I will overlook the inconveniences of the world. And instead of cursing the one who takes my place, I'll invite him to do so rather than complain that the wait is too long. I choose kindness. I will be kind to the poor for they are alone, kind to the rich for they are afraid, kind to the unkind for such is how God has treated me. I choose goodness. I will go without a dollar before I take a dishonest one. I will be overlooked before I will boast. I will confess before I will accuse. I choose goodness. I choose faithfulness. Today I will keep my promises. My debtors will not regret their trust. My associates will not question my word. And I choose gentleness. Nothing is won by force. I choose to be gentle. If I raise my voice, may it only be in praise, if I clench my fist, may it be only in prayer. If I make a demand, may it only be of myself. I choose self-control. I am a spiritual being, and after this body is dead, oh, I will go home. I refuse to let what will not rule the eternal. I choose self-control. I will be drunk only by joy. I will be impassioned only by my faith. I will be influenced only by God. I will be taught only by Christ. I choose self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lindy, you spoke about that in Galatians. To those I commit my day. If I succeed, I will give thanks. If I fail, I will seek his grace. And then when this day is done, I will place my head on my pillow and rest. Beautiful. Max Licata is a great writer and I enjoy his writings. Yes. And, you know, there are a lot of ethics in the Bible. Hopefully we still teach those ethics because we live in a society that is doing away with them, but we live with those ethics. We cannot love our enemy. We cannot forgive others without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We cannot overcome sin without Christ living in us, the hope of glory. Oh, amen. Lindy, would you like to have prayer with us, please? Sure. Thank you. Gracious Heavenly Father, 
We just praise you and thank you for the wonderful, amazing God that you are. And I want to pray, Father, for all those who are listening this evening, that you will touch their lives and bless them, that you will give them such a desire and a passion for more of the Holy Spirit like never before. If there are those who have turned back from God, may they turn back to you, Father. If there are those who have stopped going to church, may they come back to church and worship you, Father. May they look to you in all things, and may they be blessed in a mighty and powerful way. May you bring healing and salvation. May you bring victory over sin. May you live in each of us, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you for sharing with us. Looks like our time is up again today. So thanks for joining Helen and Lindy on Drive Time, Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Tracy and Lindy will spend the entire time discussing how does John illustrate carnal Christianity. Really look forward to sharing with you again. But until then, please remember that Christ said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind, and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. That was from John fourteen twenty seven. And may God richly bless each one of you. Please enjoy the music that we're going to play now. And this music is by Eddie Espinosa called Change My Heart, O God. And may that be our prayer every day as we walk with him. Change my heart, O My heart, oh God, may I be like you. You are the May I be like you.